0: Chapter Two, Part One of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof Translated by Velma Swanston Howard This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia Aka from Kebna Case, Evening The big, tame goosey-gander that had followed them up in the air felt very proud of being permitted to travel back and forth over the south country with the wild geese and crack jokes with the tame birds, but in spite of his keen delight, he began to tire as the afternoon wore on. He tried to take deeper breaths and quicker wing-strokes, but even so he remained several goose-lengths behind the others. When the wild geese who flew last noticed that the Tame One couldn't keep up with them, they began to call to the goose who rode in the center of the angle and led the procession. "Aka from Kebna-Case! Akka from Kebna-Case!' "'What do you want of me?' asked the leader. "'The White One will be left behind! The White One will be left behind!' "'Tell him it's easier to fly fast than slow,' called the leader, and raced on as before." THE GOOSEY GANDER CERTAINLY TRIED TO FOLLOW THE ADVICE AND INCREASE HIS SPEED, BUT THEN HE BECAME SO EXHAUSTED THAT HE SANK AWAY DOWN TO THE DROOPING WILLOWS THAT BORDERED THE FIELDS AND MEADOWS. Aka, aka, aka! FROM KEBNA CASE, CRIED THOSE WHO FLEW LAST AND SAW WHAT A HARD TIME HE WAS HAVING. WHAT DO YOU WANT NOW? ASKED THE LEADER, AND SHE SOUNDED AWFULLY ANGRY. THE WHITE ONE SINKS TO THE EARTH, THE WHITE ONE SINKS TO THE EARTH. Tell him it's easier to fly high than low, shouted the leader, and she didn't slow up the least little bit, but raced on as before. The goosey-gander tried also to follow this advice, but when he wanted to raise himself, he became so winded that he almost burst his breast. "Aka, Aka again cried those who flew last. Can't you let me fly in peace, asked the leader, and she sounded even madder than before. The white one is ready to collapse. "'Tell him that he who has not the strength to fly with the flock can go back home,' cried the leader. She certainly had no idea of decreasing her speed, but raced on as before. "'Oh, is that the way the wind blows?' thought the goosey-gander. He understood at once that the wild geese had never intended to take him along up to Lapland. They had only lured him away from home in sport. He felt thoroughly exasperated to think that his strength should fail him now so he wouldn't be able to show these tramps that even a tame goose was good for something but the most provoking thing of all was that he had fallen in with akka from kebnekaise tame goose that he was he had heard about a leader goose named akka who was more than a hundred years old she had such a big name that the best wild geese in the world followed her but no one had such a contempt for tame geese as akka and her flock and gladly would he have shown them that he was their equal he flew slowly behind the rest while he deliberated whether he should turn back or continue finally the little creature that he carried on his back said dear morton goosey-gander you know well enough that it is simply impossible for you Who have never flown to go with the wild geese all the way up to lapland won't you turn back before you kill yourself but the farmer's lad was about the worst thing the goosey-gander knew anything about and as soon as it dawned on him that this puny creature actually believed that he couldn't make the trip he decided to stick it out if you say another word about this i'll drop you into the first ditch we ride over said he and at the same time his fury gave him so much strength that he began to fly almost as well as any of the others it isn't likely that he could have kept this pace up very long neither was it necessary for just then the sun sank quickly and at sunset the geese flew down and before the boy and the goosey-gander knew what had happened they stood on the shores of Vome lake they probably intend that we shall spend the night here thought the boy and jumped down from the goose's back. He stood on a narrow beach by a fair-sized lake. It was ugly to look upon, because it was almost entirely covered with an ice crust that was blackened and uneven and full of cracks and holes, as spring ice generally is. The ice was already breaking up. It was loose and floating, and had a broad belt of dark, shiny water all around it, but there was still enough of it left to spread chill and winter terror over the place. On the other side of the lake there appeared to be an open and light country, but where the geese had lighted there was a thick pine growth. It looked as if the forest of firs and pines had the power to bind the winter to itself. Everywhere else the ground was bare, but beneath the sharp pine branches lay snow that had been melting and freezing, melting and freezing, until it was hard as ice. The boy thought he had struck an arctic wilderness, and he was so miserable that he wanted to scream. He was hungry, too. He hadn't eaten a bite the whole day. But where should they find any food? Nothing eatable grew on either ground or tree in the month of March yes where was he to find food and who would give him shelter and who would fix his bed and who would protect him from the wild beasts for now the sun was away and frost came from the lake and darkness sank down from the heaven and terror stole forward on the twilight's trail and in the forest it began to patter and rustle now the good humor which the boy had felt when he was up in the air was gone and in his misery he looked around for his travelling companions. He had no one but them to cling to now. Then he saw that the goosey-gander was having even a worse time of it than he. He was lying prostrate on the spot where he had alighted, and it looked as if he were ready to die. His neck lay flat against the ground, his eyes were closed, and his breathing sounded like a feeble hissing. "'Dear Morton Goosey-Gander,' said the boy, "'Try to get a swallow of water. It isn't two steps to the lake.' But the goosey-gander didn't stir. The boy had certainly been cruel to all animals, and to the goosey-gander in times gone by, but now he felt that the goosey-gander was the only comfort he had left, and he was dreadfully afraid of losing him. At once the boy began to push and drag him to get him into the water, but the goosey-gander was big and heavy, and it was mighty hard work for the boy but at last he succeeded the goosey gander got in head first for an instant he lay motionless in the slime but soon he poked up his head shook the water from his eyes and sniffed then he swam proudly between reeds and seaweed the wild geese were in the lake before him they had not looked around for either the goosey gander or for his rider but had made straight for the water. They had bathed and primped, and now they lay and gulped half-rotten pondweed and water-clover. The white goosey-gander had the good fortune to spy a perch. He grabbed it quickly, swam ashore with it, and laid it down in front of the boy. "'Here's a thank you for helping me into the water,' said he. It was the first time the boy had heard a friendly word that day— He was so happy that he wanted to throw his arms around the goosey-gander's neck, but he refrained, and he was also thankful for the gift. At first he must have thought that it would be impossible to eat raw fish, and then he had a notion to try it. He felt to see if he still had his sheath-knife with him, and sure enough there it hung on the back button of his trousers, although it was so diminished that it was hardly as long as a match. Well, at any rate, it served to scale and cleanse fish with, and it wasn't long before the perch was eaten. When the boy had satisfied his hunger, he felt a little ashamed, because he had been able to eat a raw thing. It's evident that I'm not a human being any longer, but a real elf, thought he. While the boy ate, the goosey-gander stood silently beside him, but when he had swallowed the last bite, he said in a low voice, "'It's a fact that we have run across a stuck-up goose-folk "'who despise all tame birds.' "'Yes, I've observed that,' said the boy. "'What a triumph it would be for me "'if I could follow them clear up to Lapland "'and show them that even a tame goose can do things.' "'Yes,' said the boy, and trawled it out "'because he didn't believe the goosey-gander could ever do it, "'yet he didn't wish to contradict him.' "'But I don't think I can get along all alone on such a journey,' said the Goosey-Gander. "'I'd like to ask if you couldn't come along and help me. The boy, of course, hadn't expected anything but to return to his home as soon as possible, and he was so surprised that he hardly knew what he should reply. "'I thought that we were enemies, you and I,' said he. "'But this the Goosey-Gander seemed to have forgotten entirely.' He only remembered that the boy had but just saved his life. "'I suppose I really ought to go home to father and mother,' said the boy. "'Oh, I'll get you back to them some time in the fall,' said the goosey-gander. "'I shall not leave you until I put you down on your own doorstep.' The boy thought it might be just as well for him if he escaped showing himself before his parents for a while. He was not disinclined to favour the scheme and was just on the point of saying that he agreed to it when they heard a loud rumbling behind them it was the wild geese who had come up from the lake all at one time and stood shaking the water from their backs after that they arranged themselves in a long row with the leader goose in the centre and came toward them as the white goosey-gander sized up the wild geese he felt ill at ease He had expected that they should be more like tame geese, and that he should feel a closer kinship with them. They were much smaller than he, and none of them were white. They were all grey, with a sprinkling of brown. He was almost afraid of their eyes. They were yellow, and shone as if a fire had been kindled back of them. The goosey-gander had always been taught that it was most fitting to move slowly and with a rolling motion, but these creatures did not walk, they half ran. He grew most alarmed, however, when he looked at their feet. These were large, and the soles were torn and ragged-looking. It was evident that the wild geese never questioned what they tramped upon. They took no by-paths. They were very neat and well cared for in other respects, but one could see by their feet that they were poor wilderness folk. THE GOOSEY GANDER ONLY HAD TIME TO WHISPER TO THE BOY, SPEAK UP QUICKLY FOR YOURSELF, BUT DON'T TELL THEM WHO YOU ARE, BEFORE THE GEESE WERE UPON THEM. WHEN THE WILD GEESE HAD STOPPED IN FRONT OF THEM, THEY CURTSIED WITH THEIR NECKS MANY TIMES, AND THE GOOSEY GANDER DID LIKEWISE MANY MORE TIMES. AS SOON AS THE CEREMONIES WERE OVER, THE LEADER-GOOSE SAID, NOW I PRESUME WE SHALL HEAR WHAT KIND OF CREATURES YOU ARE there isn't much to tell about me said the goosey-gander i was born in scanner last spring in the fall i was sold to holgar Nilsson of west Veminghog, and there i have lived ever since you don't seem to have any pedigree to boast of said the leader goose what is it then that makes you so high-minded that you wish to associate with wild geese it may be because i want to show you wild geese that we tame ones may also be good for something said the goosey-gander yes it would be well if you could show us that said the leader goose we have already observed how much you know about flying but you are more skilled perhaps in other sports possibly you are strong in a swimming match no i can't boast that i am said the goosey-gander it seemed to him that the leader-goose had already made up her mind to send him home so he didn't much care how he answered i never swam any further than across a marl ditch he continued then i presume you're a crack sprinter said the goose i have never seen a tame goose run nor have i ever done it myself said the goosey-gander and he made things appear much worse than they really were THE BIG WHITE ONE WAS SURE NOW THAT THE LEADER-GOOSE WOULD SAY THAT UNDER NO CIRCUMSTANCES COULD THEY TAKE HIM ALONG. HE WAS VERY MUCH ASTONISHED WHEN SHE SAID, YOU ANSWER QUESTIONS COURAGEOUSLY, AND HE WHO HAS COURAGE CAN BECOME A GOOD TRAVELING COMPANION, EVEN IF HE IS IGNORANT IN THE BEGINNING. WHAT DO YOU SAY TO STOPPING WITH US FOR A COUPLE OF DAYS UNTIL WE CAN SEE WHAT YOU ARE GOOD FOR? THAT SUITS ME, SAID THE GOOSEY-GANDER, AND HE WAS THOROUGHLY HAPPY thereupon the leader-goose pointed with her bill and said but who is that you have with you i have never seen anything like him before that's my comrade said the goosey-gander he's been a goose tender all his life he'll be useful all right to take with us on the trip yes he may be all right for a tame goose answered the wild one what do you call him he has several names said the goosey-gander hesitantly not knowing what he should hit upon in a hurry, for he didn't want to reveal the fact that the boy had a human name. Oh, his name is Thumbytot, he said at last. Does he belong to the elf family? asked the leader-goose. At what time do you wild geese usually retire? said the goosey-gander quickly, trying to evade that last question. My eyes close of their own accord about this time one could easily see that the goose who talked with the gander was very old. Her entire feather outfit was ice-gray without any dark streaks. The head was larger, the legs coarser, and the feet were more worn than any of the others. The feathers were stiff, the shoulders knotty, the neck thin. All this was due to age. It was only upon the eyes that time had had no effect. They shone brighter, as if they were younger, than any of the others she turned very haughtily toward the goosey-gander understand mr tame goose that i am Aka from kebna and that the goose who flies nearest me to the right is iksi from vasijwari and the one to the left is kaxi from nuolja understand also that the second right-hand goose is colmi from Jartekjako, and the second left is Neldra from Zvapavara, and behind them fly Visi from Oviksfjallen and Kusi from Sjängeli, And know that these, as well as the six goslings who fly last, three to the right and three to the left, are all high mountain geese of the finest breed, you must not take us for landlubbers who strike up a chance acquaintance with any and every one, and you must not think that we permit any one to share our quarters that will not tell us who his ancestors were." When Akka the leader-goose, talked in this way, the boy stepped briskly forward. It had distressed him that the goosey-gander, who had spoken up so glibly for himself, should give such evasive answers when it concerned him. I don't care to make a secret of who I am, said he. My name is Nils Holgersson. I am a farmer's son, and, until today I have been a human being. But this morning he got no further. As soon as he had said that he was a human being, the leader-goose staggered three steps backward, and the rest of them even further back. They all extended their necks and hissed angrily at him. I have suspected this ever since I first saw you here on these shores, said akka, and now you can clear out of here at once. We tolerate no human beings among us. It isn't possible, said the goosey-gander meditatively, that you wild geese can be afraid of anyone who is so tiny. By tomorrow, of course, he'll turn back home. You can surely let him stay with us overnight. "'None of us can afford to let such a poor little creature wander off by himself in the night, among weasels and foxes.' The wild goose came nearer, but it was evident that it was hard for her to master her fear. "'I have been taught to fear everything in human shape, be it big or little,' said she. "'But if you will answer for this one, and swear that he will not harm us, he can stay with us to-night.' but I don't believe our night-quarters are suitable either for him or you, for we intend to roost on the broken ice out here. She thought, of course, that the goosey-gander would be doubtful when he heard this, but he never let on. She is pretty wise, who knows how to choose such a safe bed, said he. You will be answerable for his return to his own to-morrow. Then I, too, will have to leave you, said the goosey-gander. I HAVE SWORN THAT I WOULD NOT FORSAKE HIM. YOU ARE FREE TO FLY whither YOU WILL, SAID THE LEADER-GOOSE. WITH THIS SHE RAISED HER WINGS AND FLEW OUT OVER THE ICE, AND ONE AFTER ANOTHER THE WILD GEESE FOLLOWED HER. THE BOY WAS VERY SAD TO THINK THAT HIS TRIP TO LAPLAND WOULD NOT COME OFF, AND IN THE BARGAIN HE WAS AFRAID OF THE CHILLY NIGHT QUARTERS. IT WILL BE WORSE AND WORSE, SAID HE. IN THE FIRST PLACE WE'LL FREEZE TO DEATH ON THE ICE. BUT THE GANDER WAS IN A GOOD HUMOR. THERE'S NO DANGER, SAID HE, ONLY MAKE HASTE, I BEG OF YOU, AND GATHER TOGETHER AS MUCH GRASS AND LITTER AS YOU CAN WELL CARRY. WHEN THE BOY HAD HIS ARMS FULL OF dried GRASS, THE GOOSEY GANDER GRABBED HIM BY THE SHIRT BAND, LIFTED HIM, AND FLEW OUT ON THE ICE, WHERE THE WILD GEESE WERE ALREADY FAST ASLEEP, WITH THEIR BILLS TUCKED UNDER THEIR WINGS. Now spread out the grass on the ice, so there'll be something to stand on to keep me from freezing fast. You help me, and I'll help you,' said the goosey-gander. This the boy did, and when he had finished, the goosey-gander picked him up once again by the shirt-band, and tucked him under his wing. I think you'll lie snug and warm there, said the goosey-gander, as he covered him with his wing, The boy was so embedded and down that he couldn't answer, and he was nice and comfy. Oh, but he was tired, and in less than two winks he was fast asleep. End of chapter 2, part 1, recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia